Hey, everybody. My name is Jason Karras. I'm an assistant basketball coach at Stonehill College. I'm joined by longtime college basketball coach Scott Spinelli, and this is The Breakdown. How you doing, Scott? Hey, Jason. Doing great. Uh, obviously, great to be here with you again today. Uh, this is such a fun time of year, uh, and for us to be kind of getting into the conference tournament, uh, the one we're covering here, the Valley uh, what what an exciting time. So it's, it's I'm glad to be here with you today, Jason. Yep. So as you mentioned, today we're going to jump into the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. It's a conference that we're both familiar with, have both coached in, and have some personal connections to. Me having my alma mater, being having played at Valpo um, in the Missouri Valley, and you not only having coached there, but actually I just want to give a shout out to your son, Gabe Spinelli, who has had an incredible impact as a freshman over at Evansville, playing 15 minutes a game, shooting 47% from the field. And he is just um, as explosive and electric as anybody in the country, honestly. And he's just been phenomenal for, for Evansville this year. He's, even as a, as a freshman, uh, he has had an immediate impact on that program. Um, and has been, you know, electric in transition, his athleticism, his ability to guard. Uh, he's been great for that program. It's been really fun to watch. Well, thanks, Jason. Uh, he inherited a lot from my wife, and uh, but we're real proud of him, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Both the boys right now, I've uh, got one down at Wofford, Joseph, who's a freshman down there playing. Um, you know, we're proud of all the children that are doing well, all three of them in college. Of course, my daughter is at Boston College in her senior year in the nursing school, and she's really doing well. So we're proud of all the kids, but thank you for bringing that up. That's awesome. I'm glad they're all doing well. And we're doing today just a breakdown, zooming in on one conference that we feel is uh, a little bit maybe under the radar, underappreciated by media and doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, but maybe a conference that has some of the best coaching and most talent in the country, in my opinion, and that's the Missouri Valley Conference. Tell me a little bit about the Missouri Valley. Well, you know, Jason, I agree with you. <clears throat> I had a, the distinct pleasure of being in the Valley uh, way back when, when I was coaching at Wichita State. Obviously, now with <clears throat> a lot of the realignment, Wichita State is now moved out. But um, to your point, I got a firsthand taste of how good the Missouri Valley is. Uh, from the, the players, the talent level, uh, obviously the coaching, the venues. Um, and this year's Missouri Valley, um, to me, is one of the most, as you said, underrated conferences in the country from top to bottom. I mean, there's several teams here um, that easily could not only get to the NCAA tournament, but could advance. And unfortunately, because for whatever reason, the, <clears throat> the RPI, the, the lack of maybe the national attention, um, you know, a lot of teams at the BCS, uh, the BCS conferences don't want to play those Valley teams, right? Um, because, you know, they're in jeopardy of losing. Um, they don't have the, the, the quality wins within the conference, which hurts them in terms of getting multiple teams in the NCAA tournament. But make no mistake about it, this Missouri Valley uh, going into this conference tournament, uh, any one of several teams could win this thing. Yeah, and they've had a ton of success recently. Obviously, everybody knows about Loyola going to the Final Four a couple years back, followed it up with a Sweet 16 run. They now move to the A-10, but that doesn't mean that the Valley is down on talent. A lot of these teams are incredibly, incredibly skilled 
and well coached. So it's a, it's a high level league with a ton of talent. Um, I was lucky enough to coach in three non-conference games against Missouri Valley uh, teams this year and was just extremely impressed with how disciplined, how well coached, how good their defense was. Um, so it's, it's a very serious league and whatever team comes out of it, which looks like this year, unfortunately for them, it looks like it's going to be a one bid league, but I would look for whatever team comes out of this Missouri Valley tournament to make a run in the NCAA. And without question. And don't forget, like you're adding two really good teams uh, in Belmont and Murray state, right. To the league this year, um, you know, Belmont's I think been the postseason 15 of the last 17 years coming out of the Ohio Valley, I believe it was, you know, where they were pr pr prior to this, as well as the success that Murray State's had. Uh, obviously, everybody knows Jay Morant and what Murray State's done in the tournament. Um, but look at this year's Belmont team. I mean, look, you know, out of those 15 or 17 postseason appearances, nine of them have been in the NCAA tournament. So they're battle tested. Uh, their culture has been created. Uh, they're not going to be an easy out here at all. Uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. And to your point, you know, when you think about Bradley and their stingy defense, I know you're going to get into that later, um, but you think about Drake and how experienced they are. Uh, they're by far the most experienced team in the Valley and probably one of the most experienced teams in terms of holdover players in the country, um, just because a lot of the kids that they've had have been there uh, for multiple years. So again, um, exciting, exciting tournament coming up. And I'm really looking forward to kind of breaking uh, this tournament down with you uh, game by at least game by game, or at least certain teams a little bit more than others. Let's run down the, the bracket right now and take a look game by game at who we think might be the favorite in each one. Uh, game one, uh, opening up on Thursday, you got the nine seed Illinois State versus the eight seed Northern Iowa. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? We'll just run through these real quick, these opening games. Um, you know, Illinois State has had they put together, obviously, you know, uh, <clears throat> coach came in new, coach uh, Ryan Pedon, I believe, Pedon. Um, yeah, and yeah. he came in and, um, you know, he kind of put the team together here with some transfers, et cetera. But they've done a nice job, at least in terms of being competitive in their first year. Um, but again, I, I think in this particular matchup, uh, I like the Northern Iowa team to advance uh, in this first round matchup. Yeah, I agree with you. Northern Iowa has been up and down a little bit and lost some transfers uh, to, to high major programs last year. But they have a point guard, uh, Bowen Bourne, who is as talented as anybody in the league, maybe the second leading scorer in the conference, I believe. And so um, when you have a, a individual talent like that, I think that in these conference games, all all other things being equal, both extremely well-coached teams, um, Illinois State with Ryan Pedon and, and Northern Iowa, obviously, with Ben Jacobson, who's been one of the most successful coaches in the Valley, um, you know, in the last couple of decades. Um, I, I like UNI in this game for sure. And uh, and we'll see if uh, Bowen Bourne can get it going for them and make it maybe even make a run in that in that next round. Um, the next game coming up is Evansville and Indiana State. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, your son, Gabe Spinelli, playing <laughs> playing great minutes right now for for Evansville. He's he came in as a freshman um, and and immediately made an impact. Um, and they they got a tough first round matchup though against Indiana State, who is at the top of the league for a lot of this year, um, and is coached by uh, former Division two coach Josh Shirts. Came in from uh, Lincoln Memorial 
brought some players over, brought in his his motion style offense. Uh, they're one of the best three point shooting teams in the conference. Um, and and Evansville with a young team and a, a first year head coach and, and David Raglan, who's who's done a great job, but just came in late into the uh, into that job over the summer and and uh, and, and they're kind of putting it together. But that should be a, a good matchup right there in that first round. It really should be. I mean, Indiana State, uh, honestly, could have easily finished anywhere from five to, to one, right? I mean, they they are as good as any of these teams, um, you know, one, two, three, four, um, that are ahead of them. And they've shown that throughout the year. Uh, to your point, they're a very, very good offensive team. I mean, they're as good offensively, um, you know, a team that I've seen in college basketball, the spacing that they play with, um, the personnel guys play to their strengths. They've obviously got a lot of weapons on the perimeter guys that can really pass dribble and shoot the three, which I think is a huge part of the success that they have had this year. And that's why they're a dangerous team because if they're shooting the three ball, as you know, um, it really puts a lot of pressure on the opposition, but in this game, look, I I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is one of those games that, you know, Indiana state obviously on paper has, you know, a, a pretty much an advantage um, just based on the personnel and their talent level and experience uh, in the year that they've had. But I will say this, I think Evansville is going to come into this game um, and they're going to play well. I think they're going to play very, very well. As a matter of fact, you know, um, I think when you watch the Indiana State games this year at Indiana State, you know, against Evansville, ISU got up big early, then, you know, Evansville continued to fight like they've done all year. Um, then back at Evansville, you know, Indiana State and Evansville were right, you know, neck and neck in that game. And so going to be a better game than people think. Uh, for me personally, I have to kind of stick with my heart here and and root for, um, you know, for, for my son's team and I'm going to go with Evansville in the upset. However, uh, make no mistake about it, Indiana State is a very, very good team. They could win the whole thing in this tournament. And what's interesting about uh, Indiana State, I think, is their best player right now, McCauley, started uh, playing for Josh Schertz at, at LMU, transferred high major to DePaul, and is now taking his grad year back to Indiana State. So that's a high major talent that also, you know, knows the system and knows the coach. That's really hard to deal with. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing about Indiana State there. So I'm going to pick Indiana State in that game and hope to see the uh, three-point shootout in the next round versus Belmont. The next game up is uh, the number 10 seed Valparaiso versus the number seven seed Murray State. Who do you like in this game? I'm going to go, you know, again, I think you have two teams that um, could easily, you could make a case on paper for um, to advance in this game, right? Um, I, I just think with what Coach Prom and his staff have done here, uh, especially the latter part of the year, they were playing their best basketball. And I think Valpo, again, kind of similar to Evansville in the sense that, you know, they weren't picked very high, but they fought all year. They've scratched, kicked, and clawed. I just think the fact that Murray State, um, you know, again, they've played so well as of late. Um, I think they're going to be a very difficult out here. I'm going to actually stay with Murray State in this game. But again, uh, would not be surprised to see Valpo win. All right. Yeah, Valpo, my, my alma mater, the last game of the regular season, they actually had the Murray State matchup. So this is kind of the back-to-back -back rematch. We'll see what adjustments are going to be made. Um, 
I will say that Quentin Green, uh, Valpo's starting two guard, was out in that last regular season game against Murray State that went into overtime. I say if he's back, it allows uh, Valpo to shoot the three a little bit better. Murray State was really packing it in against uh, Valpo's best player, who's the leading scorer in the Missouri Valley, their center, Ben Cricky. Um, so if, if Quinton Green can come back and they can knock down some shots from the perimeter, that might open up the paint um, for Cricky. And, and I'm going to say that's what's going to happen and take take Valpo uh, with my heart in that one. Alma mater, I'm taking Valpo. Um, next game up, number 11 seed UIC versus the number six seed Missouri State. I'll tell you what, again, another team in Missouri State that could easily have finished, uh, you know, in the top, you know, one, two, three, four, or five in this uh, in this league. I mean, they're a very, very good team. I've seen them play live and, um, you know, excellent guard play. They've got, you know, versatility at a lot of different positions. Uh, they've, guys, they've got some guys that can get out and really guard um, some younger guys who are going to be promising. Uh, in the future um you know uic obviously has some younger players they've got a couple guys that are um you know i think very talented um you know on the perimeter but uh, you know in this game to me missouri state's experience i think their roster is a little bit more uh ready at this point i, I would say ready um and i think they're a dangerous team going into the missouri valley i'm gonna th- i'm gonna take missouri state here um, you know, kind of in a position where I think they can not only win this game, but they could be dangerous moving forward too. Here at Stonehill, we actually, another non-conference Missouri Valley game we played was against UIC and they have a ton of talent as well. Three-point shooting, um, uh, transfers that they brought in this year. Uh, but this being their first year in the Valley, I feel like there is an adjustment period there where there's just such a high level of, of defensive discipline in this league um that i'm gonna i'm gonna give the edge to uh missouri state in this game as the missouri valley veteran team um and i i I see them advancing to the next round in this one all right so that was the first round matchups we gave you our picks we gave you our analysis on a couple of those teams now for the second round all right these are the top four teams in the valley finished top four in the regular season getting the automatic buy to the second round all right, and those teams are number one seed Bradley, number two seed Drake, number three seed Southern Illinois, and number four seed Belmont. Um, you go ahead with your thoughts. To me, I think any one of six teams in this conference tournament could win it, right? But with Belmont, uh, excuse me, with Bradley being the one seed, you know, obviously they're going to have to get by this, the winner of the Indiana State. Let's say Indiana State. I picked Evans, but let's say Indiana State does win. Indiana State then at the five will play Belmont and that four or five game there, you know, will be interesting to see what happens. But as it relates to the one eight game, uh, I like Belmont over Northern Iowa or Illinois State. I think Northern Iowa, as we talked about, will win that game. Um, and I think Bel- uh, Bradley's defense, uh, the tenacity of how they play, they get after you. They really defend the three point line, um, at least in their wins. If they don't, teams don't shoot it well, you know, they're just so good defensively. Um, I'm not sure I, I'm picking Bradley to win this thing. As a matter of fact, I, I'm not picking Bradley to win the MVC tournament this year. I think they're an excellent, capable team, and I think they could advance even in the NCAA tournament. Um, 
But again, I think they're really good at home. They won the regular season. It's so hard to win the regular season and then go win the conference tournament. As we both know, in the Valley, it's a hard thing to do. Not that they're not capable, because they are, but there's some teams here, and there's so much about matchups. Um, and I, I do think that that collision course that they're on, if Belmont or even Indiana State, especially Belmont, if Bradley plays Belmont in that second matchup there, meaning the, if Bradley advances over Northern, uh, excuse me, Northern Iowa, and then Belmont beats Indiana State, um, you know, Belmont's already beaten Bradley twice this year. And the matchups in that game do not favor Bradley. Um, so I would tell you right now, that's a tough draw. I know it's tough to beat a team three times. Everybody says it. But if Bradley and Belmont are on that collision course to meet in the semifinals on a 1-4, I'm taking Belmont. Wow. Big take right there. And I get it. I get it. Belmont shoots the three better than anybody in the conference percentage-wise. Um, and, and, you know, it hasn't gone Bradley's way in the uh, in the regular season. Uh, so heading down to the bottom of the bracket, we got Drake versus the winner of Valparaiso and Murray State. Um, I had Valparaiso in that game. You had Murray State. But talk to me a little bit about Drake and whatever matchup that might be. I mean, Drake is a team we've talked about, probably one of the most experienced teams in terms of returning players in all of college basketball. So from that standpoint, they're a dangerous team. Uh, they've also won, I believe, 10 of 11 games. They had won, I believe, 10 in a row or nine in a row. You can check this. Um, until they lost to Bradley in the regular season finale. So they were, they're playing their best basketball. And as a coach, you want to be playing your best basketball this time of year. Now, Drake is battle-tested. They, to me, they've got who I believe to be the most valuable player. I mean, there's a lot of kids in this league, to me, who you could make a case for as MVPs. And there's a lot of kids who I believe could play at the next level from the Valley. And I think maybe scouting reports maybe don't show that, but watching these games this year, no question in my mind, there's multiple NBA pros in this league. With that said, what I will tell you is, you know, when you look at this now, you look at the big picture here, um, you know, there's a lot of things that have to go on, um, you know, within this, uh, this, this, this Drake team to get beat. I mean, it's not, it's going to take your A plus effort, to me, Roman Penn is that MVP candidate, as good as DeVries is, and I think he's tremendous, um, you know, as good as a lot of those other guys that they have uh, on their team are. To me, Roman Penn is the heart and soul of that team. And I think, again, when you talk about most valuable players, most important players, they're two different things. But I would definitely tell you, uh, at least on the most important player side of it. I think Roman Penn is that guy. And I think Drake, because of that, and you've got DeVries and you've got other guys who are just extremely talented with that experience, they're going to be very difficult to beat also in this tournament. Yeah, the thing about Drake is they have so many different guys that are just willing to sacrifice for the good of the team. They have so many team guys, and that makes them so dangerous. So I'm a huge fan of that team, um, and I'll be excited to see them see them win that win that game and advance to the next round. Um, so the last uh, top four seed that we didn't talk about is the number three seed, Southern Illinois, playing the winner of UIC Missouri State. 
Well, look, as you've talked about in, you know, the preview of the podcast, and that is Southern Illinois kind of depicts the Valley, right? You're talking about tough, hard-nosed, savvy, blue-collar guys that um, really get after it, especially on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, they make it really hard for you uh, off the dribble, off any cut um, transition. They send multiple guys back, so it's really difficult to get easy baskets against them. Um, when they do take care of the ball and they value the ball and they don't give you opportunities to score off their turnovers, they are a very difficult team because you're going to be in a possession game and therefore the stakes get a little bit higher. Guys get a little bit tighter. It's the, it's the tournament. You have to advance. So those shots now become a little bit more pressured, high pressured. So again, Southern Illinois is a team that easily with their identity and how they get after you defensively could be a big problem in this tournament. But uh, boy, I tell you what, they've got a really difficult matchup. If Missouri State does win that game, um, again, I think you said it. I mean, Missouri State's team, they're very complete. They're very athletic. Um, you know, they can hurt you in a lot of different, in a lot of different ways with different players, different positions. They've got the guard play. They've got the versatility and the skill to make shots contested. Um, I, I, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. But again, I, I think you're on a collision course in that game to see two contrasting styles of play within the Valley. Um, and uh, if it's me, I'm, I think I'm going to go with um, Missouri State, even though I'm a defensive-minded coach. I think Missouri State has enough, um, you know, on their roster to basically not only be able to beat Southern, I think they can continue to advance. But that's going to be a great, great game. Uh, SIU, the number three seed, uh, and every game they play in is tight, like because that, that's kind of the style they play, the grind it out, uh, you know, slow pace style. It'll be interesting. They rely a lot on two scores and Lance Jones and Marcus Domask um, for their team. Um, but both guys who can get it done for them, you know, some of the best players in the conference. And then something that's interesting about uh, their team is Coach Mullins came over from the final four Loyola team and he kind of constructed that Loyola defense. He's a really defensive minded coach and he's an expert in the Valley, has been in the league for a long time. Um, which is a, a huge contributing reason to their success and why they're the number three seed here. Let's kind of go into what we believe to be the final four, Jason, because we've talked matchups, right? So here's what we've got right now. We've got that one eight game Bradley versus what we both picked Northern Iowa. We're both picking Bradley um, to advance right in that matchup. Right. Um, second round, uh, excuse me, the two seed, which is Drake. Uh, versus um, uh, Murray State, the winner of the Murray State game, Valpo. Um, we're both picking Drake, right, to win that game. So we're going the one seed, Bradley, the two seed, both advancing to the semifinals. Now you get to that three seed, which is Southern Illinois versus Missouri State. I'm picking Missouri State to be one of the teams in the semifinals. You're picking uh, Southern Illinois. Yep. Okay. Southern Illinois. Um, so you're standing pat with them as the three in the semis. And then the four seed, you have Belmont versus Indiana State, which is probably going to be, the, if you like offense, probably be one of the more entertaining games in the conference tournament, mainly because you have two teams that can really shoot the basketball, the top two three-point shooting teams in the Valley in terms of percentages and makes. Both run 
excellent offenses with great spacing. The only difference that I see in this game, um, to me, in a not in a in a postseason or a conference tournament, I'm gonna go with Belmont's pedigree and their culture just because of the fact that they've won again, excuse me, advanced 15 out of 17 postseason tournaments over the last 17 years. Nine of them have been in the NCAA tournament. As good as Indiana State is, and they are really capable. Now they could win the whole thing in this tournament. Um, I just think Belmont with you know, what they have with Ben Shepard, uh, you know, obviously I think, you know, he is, you know, he's as complete, a, as complete a player uh, as there is. And then you talk about Kate Tyson, Freiburg. I mean, they've got some versatility there, but again, I just think their culture and their uh, experience and their almost uh, battle tested program winning in conference tournaments and advancing is what I think wins out here. And they advance to me. Um, to the final four of this tournament. All right, Coach Spinelli, looking at this final four bracket, uh, I have Bradley and Indiana State in the final four. I have Bradley coming out of that one. Now you had Bradley versus Belmont. Now you got some film to back it up. But why don't you tell us why uh, you picked those two and who you have coming out? Well, first, I'd like to start with Belmont. And again, I, I think when you look at the way the brackets have kind of uh, taken shape here, obviously we've talked about Belmont in a very tough matchup with Indiana State, but both those two teams kind of mirror one another. And I think either one of those two, if they advance against Bradley uh, in the semifinals, is going to propose a huge problem for Bradley. Um, with that said, I've picked Belmont to advance. And the reason why is, again, I think Belmont um, – has a team built with culture, experience, uh, guys who have been in postseason play. Um, they have some newcomers who are really good, who have kind of uh, just kind of adjusted or adopted the culture that was created there. Um, but with that said, look, um, Bradley has lost already twice to Belmont. And I'd like to show you why, as good as Bradley is defensively, why they Belmont proposes a huge problem for Bradley. So here you have Belmont in a situation where they're going up against Bradley in transition. Now I'll stop it right here. Bradley again is very difficult to score on in transition because on any shot they send multiple guys back defensively just so they don't give up easy baskets and they make teams play in the half court. Well Belmont's strength is their half-court offense. So again, you have something that's got to give. Bradley's tremendous half-court defense versus Belmont's tremendous half-court execution offensively with the three-point line being a huge weapon for them. On this first possession, you'll see nothing out of transition where they hit the wing, Gillespie, and then they drive it. Now, for all the viewers, there's two ways to play it inside out. One of them is when you throw the ball to the post. The second thing is when you drive it, you get to the paint. Well, in this possession, you're going to see one guy on Bradley. So when you look at that wing defender in the red, he loses sight. So he locks in on the ball and he loses sight of his man defensively for a split second. Belmont being so well drilled, so well schooled, their players read their defenders. 
on this penetration, Ben Shepard now moves to an open area. His teammate kicks it to him. And you can see, although that Bradley defender is there, he's late. And you cannot be late against Belmont. And in that possession right there, you'll see how shot-ready Ben Shepard was. In the second clip, I want you to really kind of take notice here. Again, Belmont coming down against Bradley's half-court set defense. And what I'd like you to see as the clip rolls here is the ball handler, Gillespie, brings it over to the wing and kind of initiates what you looks like to be a side ball screen. Stop for one second. If you just rewind it a little bit, Coach, and you're going to see this exchange on the weak side. Any great offensive team has movement on both sides of the floor. And when those two offensive players for Belmont exchange there, the Bradley defenders, although they stay with their men, now go from being their one pass away when you were up top to now almost two passes away as the bottom guy. So here comes Belmont now off the side ball screen, and you can see what's happening here. The defender for Bradley overhelps on that roll, and he actually has to overhelp. Now, the one thing I will say, Belmont's point guard does a really good job at kind of staring at that bottom defender at the right in the right block against Bradley just to freeze him enough to think that he might throw that ball to 25 on the roll. And with that, you can see now Belmont's man is shot ready, hands ready, hips down, rhythm three. And although you think Bradley's there, they're really not. And that, that's going to be the formula for Belmont to beat Bradley. They've done it twice. And again, you're talking about two teams colliding that both are going to be playing with their strengths against one another. And I just firmly believe with all the reasons we talked about earlier with culture, experience, versatility, and most importantly, that the, the way they execute offensively and shoot the three ball, I think Belmont wins the game. Okay. So when you watch Drake, and again, when you start thinking about, you're going to hold it there, coach, the matchups that I believe to be, uh, the two teams that I think will advance and why I'm picking Drake and Belmont to get uh, to the finals is because of Drake's uh, overall experience as a team. Um, they've been there. They've been in the NCAA tournament. Most, almost all these kids have been there um, and they have star power. Obviously Ben Shepard with Belmont, you have DeVries here and Roman Penn both uh, with Drake. But what Drake does is they're probably a more complete team as it relates to playing on both sides of the ball. They're excellent defensively, and they're very, very good offensively. They can beat you in the half court. They can beat you in transition. They will create offense off turnovers. Um, but what they do have is two players who love late-game situations, who have been there, done that. And again, you expect to have close games in this Valley Tournament and into the NCAA tournament. And when you have two players like Penn and DeVries, both can make and take and will take and make big shots, tough shots. So in this first clip, you're going to see two and a half minutes to go. Uh, Drake was up really big in this game, and Indiana State came back uh, on a run. And so you know, Indiana State had all the momentum. 
But watch what happens here in this possession. Roman Penn just dribble handoff, little exchange here on the weak side to a backdoor cut, probably was open. Um, and then they hit the high post. And you can see DeVries kind of read his man here, uh, catches it, comes kind of behind off a handoff. And then, again, really doesn't have much. There's 10 seconds on the clock, nine. Now you're in a late clock situation. He's backing up towards half court. And here comes what you call a running ball screen towards the middle of the floor. And he kind of twists it late. And now he snakes his man, which means he gets him on his hip. And we call this a hip bump and release. And then he just takes, a, again, a late shot clock, two seconds contested shot. That's just, I'm, I'm a really good player, DeVries. I've been there. I'm poised. I'm not going to be rattled. I'm going to make the shot. That's why Drake is so dangerous, um, especially if they get into close games. Here's another possession. Again, a minute and a half to go. Drake's up two. Roman Penn with the ball, uh, 15 on the shot clock. You know, kind of a quick side, you know, ball screen, like a horns angle. And then they have like this other middle ball screen coming the other way. And watch Penn come off this with his head up. Uh, and really, there's like a show, a uh, flat kind of a drop coverage there on the ball screen. You can see the blue jersey kind of in the stop right there, drop coverage. So his job right there is to kind of keep the offensive man in front of him. Uh, the Indiana State defender who's guarding Roman Penn, we would teach him to be what you'd call in a foot race, trying to get in front of him. But with that said, Roman Penn does a nice job kind of getting inside of his man here, freezing the big. And then what he does is he goes right into his shot. And again, you might think, okay, he banks that in. But that's what Roman Penn does. He makes, takes tough shots. And with those two experienced players within the Drake system and all they bring to the table on both ends of the floor, I think that's why Drake is the team that will advance to the championship uh, and eventually face Belmont. You're going to see now in this, in the championship game, my championship bracket, uh, I think it comes down to Drake and Belmont. Uh, again, you're going to get two teams here that have uh, a tremendous strength offensively, um, and both teams win close games. I get all of that. But where Drake has the advantage is they just play a little bit better on the defensive end of the floor. They make it even that much more difficult. So here you'll have Belmont here uh, kind of running. You can see there's almost five guys here above the free throw line, four and a half. And you can see how Drake's defenders are very alert. Um, again, you know, really fighting over the screen. Um, you can see Raymond Penn. And then you can see the Drake defender really get out and close out on the shooter where he's in his lap. It's one thing to be there. Hold it up, Jay. It's another thing to it's when the people say get there and be there, two different things. He actually was right there, making it really difficult right there for the Belmont player to get any rhythm shot. And now you can see on the reversal here, the Belmont defenders here are kind of playing to their strengths. And he kind of forces him, or at least the offensive player here for Belmont, doesn't utilize the screen. And because of that, you know, the Drake defender kind of stays down in front of him and he makes this a very difficult shot where he ends up blocking it. 
and uh, Drake ends up coming up with the rebound. I think it's these little plays, these little, um, the more of a sense of urgency and habits that Drake has defensively that I think it gives them a slight advantage against Belmont in the championship. Um, here's another possession where you're going to see Belmont with this patented offensive, great spacing, moving, cutting, almost like a little inverted chin right there. Um, and you can see their big guy, you know, again, any of their bigs, their fives, their fours can, you know, come off screens. And you can see that possession there where the Belmont offensive player had his hand up. If you go back to the, to the screen, it almost made it look like the Belmont player here, the big was actually going to set a screen, stop it right there. So number three is thinking, okay, my man's setting a screen. I'm going to have to help in the white. Meanwhile, what happens is the Belmont offensive player up top actually screens for the big and look at the awareness on Drake's player to really chase and trail that screen and get there just enough. We call that top foot high hand contest. And again, that's a shot that even though he caught it and maybe had a little bit of room, it was highly contested and it's a very difficult lower percentage shot. And it's for those reasons, I think Drake will end up beating Belmont uh, in the championship and Drake advances to the tournament. Well, if you're right, I would be happy with that. I think Drake is a great representation of the Valley. I think either way it swings. I believe that one of those two teams will win at least one game in this NCAA tournament, um, you know, depending on the draw that they get. But I'm just saying that those are such legit, mature, old experience teams that have skill and uh, and and people don't talk about it enough. But but the Valley is is uh, is a high level conference. And I have Bradley coming out of that game. I think it'll be a Bradley Drake final. I think it'll be a rematch of the last game of the regular season. And I think that Bradley's defense did enough to stifle Drake's offense. Um, and so let's dive into a clip here of, of Bradley and kind of what I'm talking about and what makes them so special as a defensive team. So in this next clip, you're going to see a little bit of what I was talking about, about Bradley's stifling defense. So Bradley just came off making a shot in transition. They run back, and Drake, who is one of the best offensive teams in the Valley, starts getting into their action. So you see an early ball screen there into a dribble weave. They get through. You can see them pointing, talking, and communicating. All right, now here we have the first scoring action where Drake is trying to get downhill off of a ball screen. Now Bradley's coverage is to get over the top of the ball screen and kind of have a flat show a couple feet below the line of the ball screen. All right, and you see one thing about Bradley that makes them so difficult to deal with is that they're long at multiple positions. All right, you see Malvi Leones and uh, and uh, Darius Hanna there, both 6'9". All right, Zeke Montgomery getting over the ball screen at 6'6". Okay, and they're all very high IQ, well-coached players. So as he comes off the ball screen... All right, you see not only is the ball screen coverage great where Zeke Montgomery's fighting to get over the top, all right, and Darius Hanna's stopping the ball, but you'll even see right in that one pass away uh, that that you have Malavi Leone, all right, sitting in that gap, all right, and not letting Roman Penn get any air to breathe. He basically has three guys around him making it extremely difficult to make any sort of play out of this ball screen. Then on the weak side, 
a lot of times what you'll see is guys feel like they're two or three passes away. They're out of the uh, they're out of the play in general. And so they'll be standing straight up. But what you see Duke Dean doing is he is low in a stance and ready to close out to anywhere the ball might go. All right. And and Roman Penn has to turn his back, doesn't get anything. All right. And so now Drake is into their next action. All right. And so now they come up and set a second ball screen of the possession. All right. The one thing that's a little bit different about this one is that Drake slips out of the ball screen, which can be confusing at times uh, as a defensive player, what our coverage exactly is. So in this situation, Hannah doesn't show as long or impact the ball. All right. And that's uh, a top five score in the Missouri Valley. All right. In uh, Tucker DeVries getting downhill. So against a lot of teams, what we've seen all season from Drake is that this is a bucket. He gets downhill into the paint and is able to score. But against Bradley, you're going against a 6'9 kid in Malavi Leone who can move his feet, walls up in the paint phenomenally. Now we get into the final action of the possession. Garrett Sturts is going to line drive his man right down the slot. And you see Duke Dean not allowing that to happen. But he slides into that gap, plugs it up, and gives a, a a stab right at the ball, all right, throwing Garrett Sturts off balance, all right, and then Duke Dean doesn't want to give up his three-point coverage here against DJ Wilkins, so he runs to close out, realizes that Garrett Sturts has, has regained his balance and is now looking to make a post move on the smaller defender, all right, and what Duke Dean does is he recognizes that, comes back, all right, and makes a great effort play blocking the ball, all right, almost out of bounds, and then they save it for another possession. So it's that type of effort that I think really sets Bradley apart, and that's why I have them picked as the Missouri Valley Conference tournament champion. Last thing I'll say, Jay, you've coached in the Valley. You went to school at Valpo. I've coached in the Valley, and I think we've kind of tried to make it clear to the viewers how good this conference is. I think the old adage, if you know, you know, that's it. Amen. Amen. For Scott Spinelli, I'm Jason Karras. Thanks for watching another episode of The Breakdown. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.